Hey folks, let's spend some time with friends up north. Pat Kreitlow of Up North News is on Lake Wissota. Kristen Bry of Asgos, Wisconsin is along Lake Michigan. And up on Lake Minocqua is Kirk Bankstead of the Minocqua Brewing Company. Wherever you are, welcome, because you're up north. You certainly are. Welcome to the cabin. You've made it up north. Nice to have you here. I'm Pat Kreitlow, Managing Editor of Up North News, WI.com. And I'm Kristen Bry, and you can find my short political comedy videos at As Goes Wisconsin. And I'm Kirk Bankstad from the Manaqua Brewing Company. Now, we join you live every Wednesday evening at 7 on Devil Radio News Talk 92.7 and play it back over the weekend, and we post it over at upnorthpodcast.com. Our email address is info at upnorthpodcast.com. And our guest in our second half hour is Representative Evan Goike, a Democratic member of the legislature's Joint Finance Committee to give us an update on uh, what's happening with the state budget process and how uh, what Governor Evers proposed is being thrown into the wood chipper, no different than one of the closing scenes near the end of the movie Fargo. Um, but we will start <laughs> with the, the pandemic. There is good news about the pandemic. There's bad news about the pandemic. The bad news deals with cases that are still happening despite so many people doing the right things, because so many people still insist on doing the dumb things. Hospitalizations for COVID-19 are only up in one part of the state, and that's up north. But all that bad news can wait. We need to start with good news, because as some of the smart folks get vaccinated and more bars and restaurants and other places stay careful with safeguards, guess what's back, everybody? yeah we thought we'd go for a twin spin cool in the gang uh, between ladies night and and celebration uh just to commemorate the fact that according to my social media feed Kristen bry has brought back ladies night congratulations wisconsin it's back <laughs> yeah it was risky to uh you know post that picture it's always like we're like as things open up what pictures you can post on social media of you starting to live life normally post-vaccination. Uh, but I got no feed, I got no negative feedback as far as that doesn't look safe. Um, but I organized, one of the things I've always liked doing in the many cities I've lived in is basically collecting amazing women and making them be friends with me and then bringing them all together for uh, potlucks or dinners um, and I've been lucky enough to already, despite moving into Milwaukee in October, uh, already met a lot of great women. And so we went to the women's only uh, night at Shaker's Cigar Bar in Milwaukee. It was lovely. We had a nice. great time. There was very generous uh, pours of wine, which uh, is why I'm okay not celebrating Cinco de Mayo today because... Uh, <laughs> It was a it was an eventful Monday night. Let's started, just put it that started, way. Started started earlier. Well, did you no, smoke some cigars, Kristen? I was going to ask the same I, thing. We did not. Uh, none of the girls smoked cigars at night. I I have been to this uh, establishment and smoked cigars. Um, I never can finish a cigar on my own. I will say that. Yeah. But like a couple puffs off a cigar. I'm, I, I love a good cigar, but I always wake up and I feel like my uh, teeth are in like sweaters in the morning. That's my one yeah. issue with them. Yeah, yeah I mean, they're definitely, I mean, it's still, I'm not, I don't, I still don't think they're good for you, but I, but, it, you know. <laughs> but you know what, like, like ladies night itself, you know, there's plenty of things that are fun in the moment. And, you know, what do we always say? 
too much haha leads to boohoo. So, you know, did oh, we always oh, say that, Pat? Or oh, we no, that. Say that. Said I don't that think for, I've ever said that. Well, all first, the many years that we've been doing this show together, we have said that repeatedly. First, he throws out the disco, then he throws out the dad joke. That's like a one two punch there, Pat. Way to you go. Know, man. It, well, that part of the dad joke thing is that I got I, I, I got to see both of my daughters uh, the past two weekends. Uh, the one now lives in Texas and the other in, in New York. And the, the daughter from New York came out this past weekend for a family wedding. And while the, the daughter in Texas uh, has two boys, uh, 14 and seven, uh, uh, my younger daughter has a, a boy who's two years old. And at one point after the wedding fe uh, festivities were done, again, very limited, very, you know, everybody was very safe uh, and everything. But we then went to Mall of America and I held that to you. I was not letting, you know, I, I was not letting Teddy go. And I am still my, my right shoulder. I mean, I'm not a young parent anymore and I am, I'm still feeling it, but um, it was totally worth it. And to be able to tell a few dad jokes, you know, that's, that's what we get for, you know, guys don't get ladies night. We get dad jokes. We do get um, bacon night, you know, or, or whatever other, you know, bar festivity and Kirk, you're the one that had the bar. I mean, what, <laughs> what'd you do for either ladies or uh, guys, or what was your favorite, uh, uh your favorite, you know, special oh, had, night. Trivia, trivia, trivia is always big. Yeah. <laughs> we always had, we had Fridays and Saturdays was live music. I, we didn't do any special nights for like ladies or, or like bacon night, but live music was what I loved. So we're, we just, we just stuck to that, which was great. So Kristen, is this going to be a, a, a weekly thing or is the, does this just no, come that, up, you know, sporadic? Like a monthly thing. I think I'll probably organize something uh monthly i feel like it's just my, it's always been a great excuse to like bring people together instead of doing the endless one-off lunch dates or coffee dates mm -hmm. or like it's just you know as you get as you probably can both of you can attest it's hard to make friends when you're an adult like when oh, you're like in yeah. more so as an empty nester up, i've learned yes empty yeah. nester once you start having kids you know it's like and so it's like the the t week fills up the uh, you know, what you have to do, like your, your obligations. And so having something monthly where you can make sure that you see your friends and then the byproduct is they make friends with your other friends. Like I think everybody, everybody wins. It's a lot no easier. Allowed. It's a lot easier going out when you can actually go out, you know, this a true. lot of easier making friends when you can actually be vaccinated and go to a this, bar. We, yes. uh, yeah, because we, I, <laughs> When you can go out, I, we used to not go out till after 10 o'clock. And now, you know, I, I've gone to bed before nine, a couple of times during this pandemic. I'm not going to lie, you know, um, <laughs> but let's turn to, to, to some of the, the good news besides the return of ladies night. Uh, when it comes to the pandemic, Wisconsin has now reached more than 2 million people fully vaccinated. And by the time you hear this, at least 45% of the state population will have had at least one dose. That is outstanding and if you haven't done yours yet and you need help finding a place to get vaccinated you can go to vaccinefinder.org or a neat trick i learned uh was that you can text your zip code to 438829 and you'll get a text message back of all the places where you can get the vaccine now unfortunately while 45 percent getting at least one dose is good to get, you know, herd immunity, or I like the way somebody else put it, community immunity, because who wants to be a herd, right? Uh, to get that, it means a lot of folks are going to have to get vaccinated who haven't done so yet. And 
that hesitancy means it's taking longer to see a significant slowdown in coronavirus infections, hospitalizations, and deaths. We're seeing hospitalizations up north back to levels last seen in September. And we reported Wednesday over at upnorthnewswi.com. That slowdown has meant anywhere from one to 2,000 doses per week are being wasted because once a vial is open somewhere, there's only so much time to, to give it to folks before it can spoil. Uh, and there's more. Even as lacrosse schools are dealing with a surge in cases, primarily due to close contact out, outside of school, the school board in Waukesha voted Tuesday to ignore CDC guidelines and no longer require quarantining of those who have been confirmed to have been in close contact with someone recently infected. It, it you know, and then there's the, the whole pandemic politics, Kirk. It's it just, it seems like we can't get everybody on the same page. I got a couple of things to say about this. You know, I, it's it, it boggles my mind. I feel like we're in opposite world. It's like to get to her immunity, get to get to 80%, that means that, that, you know, the longer it takes us to get there, there might be a variant of COVID that actually is resistant to the vaccines that have already been produced, which means we get back to zero. We go back to zero if something uh, uh, you know pops up. So we should be working as hard as possible to get to herd immunity so that we can actually have an open economy. So we can actually have kids going to school without and be safe. I feel like we're in a backwards land where everyone's lighting off the, the gas pedal now and heaven forbid, there's a variant that comes in that we can't fight and we go back to zero. That just boggles my mind. I don't know what the actual numbers are for the people who would like to get and haven't gotten it, but I'm sure that is some of it in different disadvantaged communities that exist in Wisconsin. But also there is the largely the group of people who are choosing to not get it and very much sliding into my comment section on any one of my videos, whenever I do anything on vaccines, uh, to let me know that they're not going to get the vaccine. Um, typically white Republican leaning men. And I recently was reading about the little research that's been done of like, how do you actually change people's minds? And it's basically their personal doctor telling them that by them getting the vaccine, it will protect their wives and family, not themselves. It's their wives and family. And it has to come from like their doctors, like someone they trust. Exactly. You have, you have to put them in that position of, of protector. Uh, mm -hmm. We will take a break here. And when we come back, we'll talk about why you should hug your municipal clerk if they're okay with that. You're up north. The Up North Podcast is a small group endeavor, not unlike the middle school science projects where you all stare at each other and say, I don't know, what do you want to do? And then we finally hunker down and we get the work done. But along with the, uh, the fun and the chatter, we get to talk about our day jobs, starting this week with what Kristen Bry has been doing to accidentally educate you over at As Goes Wisconsin. Yes, As Goes Wisconsin. Uh, is a pro I produce a daily series of uh, social media videos that combine basically all things Wisconsin, whether it's history, sports, politics, but I try to break it down with a comedic twist in videos that are less, uh, 60 seconds or less. So uh, whether you find yourself uh, checking Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or TikTok the most, you can find my videos, all of them at As Goes Wisconsin. And before we get to a Kirk's update on Manaqua Brewing, let's insert a related uh, news headline. Again, something we covered over at Up North News last week uh, on the subject of redistricting. 
where a judge last week avoided a contract between Wisconsin Republican legislators and the private taxpayer-funded lawyers they had contracted with for future litigation over new congressional and legislative maps they haven't even drawn yet. Um, this is something that happened a few months back. The Milwaukee Journal Sentinel reported that uh, the Republicans had committed to spending a million dollars or more in public funds to defend likely legal challenges to whatever they eventually created, but a judge ruled that Assembly Speaker Robin Voss and Senate Republican leader Devin Lemihu did not have the power and canceled those contracts, all of which could have been avoided if Voss, Lemihu, and other Republicans in the legislature would move toward nonpartisan fair maps rather than continuing to weaponize a tool that's designed to ensure that everyone's vote has an equal chance to count, which leads us to Kirk, who's doing a little bit of that with every little bit of a dollar used to buy what's uh, brewing these days with you, Kirk. So yeah, Pat, uh, you know, every beer that we sell, 5% of the profits of that beer goes directly to fight gerrymandering. Uh, so like you said, like we need to fight these guys in courts. You know, we just beat them in the courts for spending taxpayer dollars on on uh, rigging the maps or, or, or trying to rig the maps, but we also got to fight them on the ground too. We got to fight them at a grassroots level. So what we're doing is we're, we've hired through Citizens Action of Wisconsin, uh, community organizers to call voters in big cities up north like Hudson, Wausau and Rhinelander to tell them that, uh, that the Republican party is cheating and that they need to keep calling them and demand fair maps. So. 5% of all the beer that we sell, 5% of the merch that we sell, and anything that you donate directly to our super PAC will go for that fight. So if any, if you want to learn more about any of that stuff, go to www.manaquabrewingcompany.com. And I'm Pat Kreitler here to remind you that the Up North podcast is an independent endeavor, not part of the place that I'm proud to call my professional home, Up North News. If you haven't made us part of your daily information diet, it is time to dial us up. It's a no-nonsense digital newsroom specializing in covering the leaders and newsmakers whose actions have a direct impact up north. Anywhere, whether you live in the 53158, the 53811, the 54246, and the 54880. And yeah, I looked at the four corners of Wisconsin on a zip code map. I'm not sorry. Our reporters do not speak in newsroomese or in political gibberish. We translate those things for you so that you know what's happening among those shiny marble columns in Madison and Washington. So... Find us on the face page, the Insta thing, or on your Twitter machine by searching for Up North News WI. Don't forget the WI. And sign up for the daily newsletter I assemble every morning by visiting our website, upnorthnewswi.com. We also want to thank Double Radio News Talk 92.7, where we air live on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. And we remind you again, email us at info at upnorthpodcast.com. I'm Kristen Bry, along with Kirk Bangsett and Pat Kreitlow. Uh, so let's talk about your local clerk, not the one at your grocery store or the gas station or that liquor store where you swear you only stop once a month and yet the clerk there knows you by name. We are talking about <laughs> municipal clerks uh, and it's municipal clerk appreciation. And it's also teacher appreciation, so not, not to take anything away from everything that teachers have done this last year during the pandemic. But if you can imagine how hard it actually must have been to run our elections last year during a pandemic. Uh, I think it's something that a lot of us took for granted, but the hard work, the extra work, the additional problem solving that these people in every 
city, across the country, every county in Wisconsin, uh, what they had to deal with, with between adding different additional ways to vote, counting absentee ballots, doing curbside voting, uh, making sure that there was accessible voting machines, trying to get information to voters as in an ever-changing legal landscape as things were changing all the time. Um, so it, it's just to really, these are people who do not get much credit for how much they protect our democracy and all of our ability to vote. Um, and I think there was actually just some story about an election that was like a group of right-leaning people tried to run without the expertise of knowing how to run an election that did not go well. So these people are experts in what they do and do not get enough credit. So this is my ask for anyone who is listening uh, to look up, if you don't know your who your municipal clerk is, totally fine. It's some, I think it's, like I said, a thankless job and a nameless job often. But if you can look them up at the myvote.wi.gov, find my backslash, find my municipal, or I think it's find my municipal clerk, um, and shout them out this week. Well, Say because they, they are the ones who have kept our elections secure. They are secure. They are fair. They, you know, court challenges, recounts, whatever has happened has proven that time and time again, we have about 1,850 amazing municipal clerks. And it, it's time that they were better respected. And, and that's where I was very um, uh, kind of amused to see that uh, some Democratic state legislators unveiled a bill recently that would require non-judicial state elected officials like legislators to be trained for and work the polling places on election day, basically making the people who so easily cast spursions on our local clerks walk a mile in their shoes and then see how well our elections really do work here. Um, let's see, it was Representatives Lee Snodgrass of Appleton, Christina Shelton of Green Bay, Senator Jeff Smith of Eau Claire, they all introduced the, uh, the, the bill. Uh, they were joined by Dane County Clerk Scott McDonald, who said he was blown away at how misinformed certain legislators were about the elections. He was referencing that so-called investigation dog and pony show being done by the Assembly Elections Committee. McDonald said this is, he said, the lack of knowledge was astounding. The Republicans did not invite any municipal clerks to participate. He said their bill would provide knowledge of the day-to-day -day operations of how an election actually works, something McDonald said would be, you know, really helpful. And uh, that's what I really like about the bill. It continues a trend that's gaining strength, and rightly so, that we call out BS about something as critical as, you know, democracy. January 6th was a real thing. And also the thing that was real was the results of the vote last November. And the people who continue to perpetuate the lie that something was wrong with it ought to be reminded of it constantly. It wasn't some cute political move. It isn't something to shrug off. And it starts right away with our municipal clerks, which, uh, Kirk, I'm sure you've met one or, or two in, in your time voting as, yeah, as a candidate. At, at the end of the day, these are people are not shady. I mean, they didn't get nobody wants to be a municipal clerk unless you really want to help your town because it's hard work. It's thankless work. And, and, and we're, we're crapping all over, or at least the Republicans just like took a dump on these guys uh, during the elections. And it was so sad to watch because everyone knows I've seen my clerk. I mean, small, small town people know who their clerks are. They're not trying to pull the wool over anybody's eyes. They're just trying to do a good job and, and try not to get in the headlines, which unfortunately they were put in the spotlight. Uh, on this last election. 
And one of the things they really did was, was make voting more accessible while still secure through drop boxes and through curbside voting and through in-person early voting and, of course, absentee voting by mail. And those are all the things that are, are, are being attacked right now. And um, Kristen, when we were working on how to illustrate this for Up North News, uh, we came up with a superhero graphic, essentially, for all the, the long hours that they work. And, and you were mentioning they, they provide services throughout the course of the year. This isn't just elections that they do. Oh, yeah. I mean, someone actually uh, in the video that I put out today, I think I wrote this. Let me see if I can find it quickly. Um, but they illustrated even better. This was a comment that I got said, quote, Counting and verifying thousands of absentee ballots is no joke. Running an election during a pandemic while still handling routine tasks like promising permits and license applications, creating committee agendas, maintaining meeting minutes, witnessing agreements and council actions, and all of the other tasks municipal clerks handle is a big deal and a lot of work. Municipal clerks are pretty amazing. Because I think that's the thing. It's like they do a lot of things that the average they person do. we don't yeah like they, the legislators, they the the legislators get all the attention and these are the ones that are actually doing the work but let's pause right here because now that i've insulted legislators when we come back to the cabin state representative <laughs> evan goike and some civics 101 on why the state budget matters and later cheeseheads and chuckleheads you are up north Welcome back to the Up North Podcast. I'm Pat Kreitlow. He's Kirk Bangstead. She's Kristen Bry. And joining us now is State Assembly Representative Evan Goike, a member of the Wisconsin Legislature's Joint Finance Committee, the group that writes a state budget every two years so that your roads gets paved, your natural resources stay clean, and so much more. Representative Goike, welcome. Uh, thanks. Yeah, is that what we do? Or is that what we argue we should be doing? It's what you should be doing. And, and I, I, I just wonder how weird it feels to have to work to defend a budget proposed by the governor with all kinds of provisions that would, you know, help with everything from job creation to quality of life to see them threatened or just downright slashed and not really any policy to propose, I mean, I'll just cut right to the chase. Don't you sometimes want to turn and go, what do you guys stand for? What are you proposing? So how do you say it more politely in the Joint Finance Committee? Well, the way I say it, and I don't know if it's more politely, but uh, I have diagnosed the current Republican legislature in Madison of having and suffering from the Tony Evers fever. Um, sorry, that's it's terrible. Evers fever, I like it. That yeah, was well, a few years ago, Voss, uh, Speaker Voss, used to come out and say that Democrats had Walker derangement syndrome because oh, yeah, all we right. wanted to talk about was Scott Walker, and so uh, you know he has now uh, suffering from the very thing he accused us of. Uh, Pat, you 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 really hit the nail on the head. The Republicans tomorrow in their first motion in joint finance will be stripping things that the governor is for tenants of democratic party and democratic policy part of our ideology they have not filled any anything in so this is a this is a motion of no uh not a motion of here's the roadmap for success for wisconsin uh and so i think it's a very right criticism uh apt criticism to say they are saying no to the governor's leadership without providing any meaningful policy direction of their own. No. So they, I thought we've got the fever. It's the fever. <laughs> uh, I thought we would start by just going through uh, at least a partial list of all the many things that 
Uh, Joint Finance Republicans will probably cut Thursday morning as we uh, uh, do this show on Wednesday nights, raising the minimum wage for the first time since 2009, accepting federal Medicaid funds to give folks more health insurance coverage through Badger Care, accepting money that would save the state more than a billion dollars, cap co-payments for insulin, a drug necessary for life, uh, legalized marijuana. Instead, Wisconsin will be almost an island surrounded by states that are making money off regulated sales, uh, implementation of Juneteenth as a state holiday, extra protections for renters from predatory landlords, broadband expansion initiatives, juvenile justice reforms, and one more, and then I'll stop with this list, but there's so much more, and that is testing and cleanup of so-called forever chemicals known as PFAS. And for all the years I you know, worked alongside Dave Obie, he liked to say that when it came to writing budgets and wisely spending taxpayer funds, not a single person came up to him and said, Obie, why don't you cut funding for cancer research? And yet, you know, that has happened in the last administration in Washington. And, and now we're, we're attacking cleaning up forever chemicals. Um, that's just a partial list, uh, Representative Goyke. Any others that I missed that are especially sticking in your craw? Well, there are 280 some. Uh, and so if we start going- I'm sorry, if, if my beer didn't taste so good just now, that would have been a nice spit take. How many cuts? <laughs> yeah, two, about 280, uh, a change of about 3.4, $3.5 billion from the governor's budget. A, a cut to the governor's budget proposal of somewhere between seven and nine percent. Um, you, you hit the most important one uh, is Medicaid expansion. Not a new debate to Wisconsin, but you said about a billion. The total figure of federal dollars that we would have uh, coming into Wisconsin over the next two years is 1.6 billion. That's actually saved state tax dollars. We could do whatever we want with it. I mean, you could put together the biggest tax cut in the history of the state. You could invest it and just use the interest in years forward. We could do whatever we want with it. 1.6 billion just by saying yes to Medicaid. And um, unfortunately, that's not going to happen tomorrow. Hey, so, oh, oh yeah, sorry. Go, you go, go for it, Christy. Okay, so yeah. Evan, I had a question on, well, wasn't... In, in 2019, didn't Governor Evers uh, try to, you know, after some sort of mass shooting, which unfortunately seems to be happening every week in Wisconsin these days, uh, he tried to pass background checks, he tried to pass uh, uh, some red flag laws, and, and the Republicans gaveled in and gaveled out. Wasn't this part of uh, the budget for this year, too, was to try to get these background checks for, for just sensible gun uh, safety laws back into the budget? Yeah, so you're re referencing a special session that the governor called uh, that was gaveled in and gaveled out, like a 22nd uh, legislative session where there was no debate or vote on the proposals. Those proposals are back in the budget and will be stripped back out. And I imagine myself and other legislative Democrats are going to continue to try whatever we can to get them to be debated. You're going to vote no, you're going to vote yes, at least have a debate, at least at least stand up in the arena and make your case and take a vote and make your position known public. These procedures that Republicans have done over the years have really even prevented the debate from taking place. Yeah, and Evan, I just, you know, I'm focusing on that because I'm still kind of shaking from what happened in Green Bay uh, or the Oneida Casino in Green Bay last week. And I think two weeks before, you know, there's another mass shooting in, in somewhere, Kenosha or Racine. It's like, it's like an epidemic in Wisconsin. And 81% of people in Wisconsin th think we should, you know, 
reinforce our background checks, which includes background checks on online gun sales, background checks at gun shows, things that aren't happening right now. And that's it's, not some made up poll there, Kirk. That's the Marquette poll. That's that's the, the, the base poll, you know, around the state. Eight out of 10 people or at least, you know, anywhere from 70 to 80 percent. That that means Republicans, not legislators, but regular Republicans support some of these gun safety measures. Hunters support these gun safety measures, Evan. I'm sure you're hearing that when you were talking to folks around the state during these public hearings. Yeah, we never heard uh, a legitimate hunter afraid of taking a background check. You want to know why? Because they do them. Because when they go into the federally licensed dealer and they buy a rifle for deer season, they go through a background check. And the only individuals that would not benefit from this are individuals that shouldn't be having guns in the first place. So not an interruption to hunting or any kind of sportsmanship. People go through these background checks that are serious sportsmen, not a problem, uh, good common sense public policy. So even to take that even further, as far as universal background checks, there's different gun, gun control laws that are bipartisan, popular in Wisconsin. There's a a lot of things that are bipartisan, like as, as, as split and purple as this state is, whether it's legalizing weed, whether it's background checks, whether it's safe water, there's like a lot of the environmental stuff, like that's a couple of things that blue and red can come together on as far as constituents uh, and, and the public. And so I, and obviously you don't work in their offices, so you can't speak for them, but I'm, I'm consistently surprised at things that it feels like there is voting that is not actually representative of their district and the people that they represent, including the, Repu the their Republican constituents, and yet there is continued voting or non-action that they don't get held accountable for. And that is the, the disconnect to me that is it more public education? Like, where is the disconnect between the people who are like, this is what we want, this is, this is but we've said when we answer Marquette polls, and yet this is the representation that we're still getting and we don't vote them out. So, well, at the core of that is at least something we can do about at the core of that is our gerrymander. And that actually is also a piece of the budget that's also going, going to be likely removed tomorrow. Uh, a provision of the budget would require the legislature to adopt the People's Map Commission, which has been a commission going around the state and seeking input from every congressional district. Uh, and so the, that, that motion will likely come out tomorrow um, by legislative Republicans. But you know, to your point, Kristen, when you can choose your own voters and you, you know, then within that, uh, if you're a primary only constituency, then you know that you can afford to disagree with a chunk of your constituents because you only need a sliver of them. That's true for Republicans. And let me just tell you, Joe Biden received nearly 91% of the vote in my district in Milwaukee. Uh, and so it has an impact on Dems too. Let's be honest about it. It, it means what, what, what electoral benefit would I receive by uh, trying to be as bipartisan as possible to the brave 9% in my district that voted uh, for the other guy? So it, 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 it impacts both sides and it should be, this gerrymandering should be eliminated. It's totally toxic. It totally impacts the the way we operate in Madison. Yeah, again, history books will look back. I mean, and and Wisconsin's is bad enough. I know, having lived through it in in 2011, uh, watching them draw the line practically around my house uh, before running for Congress in in 2012. But there are some states 
um, you know, there's Ohio and there's Texas and there's Pennsylvania where they really do look like the, the salamanders that the gerrymander is, is named after. So it's long overdue. Uh, but Evan, tell us where the, the, the budget goes from here. You had public hearings around the state. You had a virtual hearing. Uh, so joint finance now sits down. And what exactly do they do between now and when the governor signs your vetoes? Yeah, really, it's uh, the majority of the work is in the month of May and June in the Joint Committee on Finance. Um, it's a pretty unique structure, very powerful committee. The budget is entirely within the committee's purview, about 1,800 pages. Uh, it is going to spend, or uh, the governor's proposed to spend about $90 billion over two, the next two years, about $45 billion a year. Uh, and what we do as a committee, we will go item by item, agency by agency, vote by vote, until the budget is put together. We take the governor's budget as a bill, Assembly Bill 68, and in essence, we amend that bill as we go, department by department. Some are small. Uh, tomorrow, one of the departments on our list, uh, the Secretary of State, Doug LaFollette's office, small. State That's Fair a, Park. Small, small, small. It's a card table. It's a card table <laughs> yeah. on a legal pad it's, if he, they're feeling he generous. Now, That's what they've done to that he office. Now, he is now in a supply closet in yes. the basement of the Capitol. Uh, so, you know, smaller agencies, and then in essence, we work our way up to the larger ones. The largest uh, department is the Department of Health Services. Healthcare is about 30% of the budget. Uh, K-12 public schools next, um, transportation. Uh, so one by one by one over the next eight to 10 weeks, um, we're supposed to get done. So when the Joint Finance Committee is done, we spit the bill out, and then both the Assembly and Senate must vote on it in identical fashion. So there's always last minute amendments and deals being made uh, before the vote. And then the governor can veto, line item veto, or sign the budget. That's all supposed to happen uh, from this conversation before July 1, which is the beginning of our next fiscal year, July 1, 2021, which is when this budget will take effect. And I would bet you a beer, we do not get the budget done by July 1. Which, which is funny because they, you know, they have the full control of the legislature, but I suppose it does have something else to do with uh, tax tax day being put off by a month and not getting all the numbers right away. So I, I, I suppose we do have to give them some benefit of the doubt here. Well, the real delay is going to be internal uh, arguments between the Senate Republican Caucus and the Assembly Republican Caucus. They don't really like each other. They may pose for pictures together, but they don't really like each other. And then the other thing is the federal money that we have received. Uh, there's a, possibly going to be a delay. Republicans waiting to hear what the governor is proposing with that, with those funds. Hey, Evan, I had one more question for you because this is the Up North podcast and uh, PFAS is such a big issue uh, up north. Uh, why are they trying to gut this? I mean, what, what possible reason would they not want to, uh, you know, have, have clean water or, or protect clean water, especially for Rhinelander, where a lot of us are? Yeah, no, I, I'm surprised by it. That was a shocker. PFAS were heard loud and clear in Whitewater, Rhinelander, Menominee on the virtual session. Every corner of the state, we're learning more about these chemicals every day, more communities impacted. It's a tragic mistake that uh, we should hold them accountable for. I wouldn't be surprised if something happens. This is the tale of divided government in Wisconsin. Governor Evers leads, he sets the, the mark out and Republicans follow and they get halfway or a quarter of the way there. So I, I expect we'll see something on PFAS, but not what we need to do. And it's a darn shame, but again, we can 
just barely, thanks to gerrymandering, hold legislators accountable, whereas Wisconsin Manufacturers and Commerce, WMC, uh, is never up for a vote unfortunately. And, mm. you know, that's a lot of power they have in the Capitol. State Assembly Representative Evan Goike from the Joint Finance Committee of the Legislature. Thank you for joining us on the Up North podcast. It was great talking to you. Thank you. I'm gonna go get a beer too. You guys made me thirsty. <laughs> well, you should. <laughs> you deserve one, brother. Yeah. Right. Take care now. Uh, take we care. will take a break here and we will do cheeseheads and chuckleheads in just a moment. You're up north. Welcome back to the Up North Podcast. I'm Kirk Bankstead, and along with me are Pat Kreitlow and Kristen Bry. And uh, for those of you who, who catch the video portion of this over at upnorthpodcast.com, uh, you'll notice that Kirk finally has invested serious money uh, in a virtual background. That is a lovely rainbow over Lake Minocqua that you've got behind you there, It's sir. real. It's real over Lake Minocqua. It just might not be exactly happening right now. No, no. Um, and and Kristen, we at some point need to identify the bar where we can find you at on Wednesday nights based on your virtual background. Maybe it'll, maybe it'll, maybe this is what I'll model my future bar off of, and so I can make with that tea. selection behind the counter. By all means, please do it. We'll 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 be there. Can you actually? Are your eyes that good that you can tell what the? Ver- I'm just the saying. That, I'm back just. There? I'm talking from a quantity standpoint. There's yeah. a lot oh, yeah. of brown fluid back there. Plentiful. Uh, time for cheeseheads and chuckleheads before we get too deep into that con- uh, topic. Uh, these are people who may or may not fall into the first category, but they uh, sure as hell qualify for the second. So we thought instead of awarding medals, you know, bronze, silver, and gold, uh, let's award cheeses. So we'll do the Limburger, the Gouda, and the Cheddar. So uh, oh. in in third place, the uh, for for this week's cheeseheads and chuckleheads. Wait, wait, before you go there, is it the Limburger's the stinkiest one? So that's the third place third. is yep, it's the worst. Go. Like this is the worst yeah, cheesehead or chuckle. This is your bronze medal. I'm, I'm glad oh. you're you're getting the concept here. Good. Stay <laughs> okay. with oh, I just me, wanted buddy. to I just want to lay the groundwork. Okay. The okay. Limburger goes to the latest installment of the wacky world of Ron Johnson. He confirmed to the Washington Post their story about how he received a briefing from the FBI last year warning him that he was being used as a puppet for Russian disinformation. And did he show contrition for the sham hearing he held last year, attempting to launder that Russian interference in our elections? No. He said the FBI warning itself was a setup so that the Washington Post many months later would be able to spring the trap that was set for him, as he put it. So we are to believe that somewhere in FBI headquarters last year, someone cared enough about a senator from Wisconsin to hatch a plot to warn him not to do something bad for our country, watch him do the bad thing anyway, then wait nine months and say anything about it. I just don't think that works. I don't think it works in any courtroom where the defendant confirms they committed a crime but claims that the warning from law enforcement not to do the criming was a setup to arrest them after they do the crime anyway. So Pat, I still, I don't know what's going on. Like, I wish I had a window into the background of what Ron Johnson is doing, because I'm not a conspiracy theorist in any way, shape or form. That's just not what, I don't go there ever, but it's just impossible for me to not think that this dude has something with the Russians that he's like is being led by them. I, I just I don't think these things normally, but I just can't think of any other reason why he does the things that he does. There there isn't. And there there hasn't been a great explanation. 
Uh, you know, ever since he spent the, the 4th of July 2018 with some other members of Congress in Moscow for some reason, that was not a great look. Uh, and, and so this is somebody who is trying so hard to stay on offense because he might want to run next year, but it's hard to run on offense when you were warned by the FBI not to be a dupe, and then you either willingly or unwillingly were a dupe. The Gouda goes to two of the top Republicans in the state assembly, Jim Steinecke and Tyler August, for getting lost on their way to do their job at the Capitol in Madison. Somehow, they wound up at the Mexican border with a camera crew. They were telling us about how scary those people were, the ones desperately crossing a river while escaping with their lives from places in Central America that Steinecke and August wouldn't look so tough in. Now, the chances are the photo op was covered by donor funds, but just knowing that some of their taxpayer-funded salary went to whatever amount of time they took for the trip reminds us that the southern border enforcement they'd be effective at involves keeping the bears from stealing victories at Lambeau. There is really no reason for them to be there. And I, I, I was in South Texas a couple of weeks back, and I don't see where a Wisconsin legislator was really going to get much done there. Unless, of course, you brought a camera crew. All right, that leads us to our Cheddar Award. Aaron Rodgers, definitely a cheesehead, and he's caused a real debate about whether he's a chucklehead. Don't go there, Pat. The front office that's full of Don't go there. I love him. I love the man. to Kristen and Kirk. Aaron Rodgers, chucklehead or just a cheesehead? Kristen. I'm very split on all of this. I just feel like the – it's honestly, I feel like – I have a lot of fun with the sports parts of like all of this. And so, but the, the drama of how much this will actually affect our lives. I'm kind of like, Oh God. Okay. Um, I don't know. I think he's being a diva. I think they're all divas. I think the watching the last dance and what, like who Michael Jordan is as a person, despite him being a great basketball player, not a great guy. Like, not someone I necessarily want to be friends with after watching that documentary, right? And like, I'm not saying Aaron Rodgers is that. I'm just saying that like the ego that comes along with being that talented uh, doesn't make like doesn't give you a pass on like or like we should just assume that like you are a good person. And I'm not going to take this as my own joke because uh, I don't think I'd get away with it anyways. But you really think that he's not very like very okay walking away from the franchise? guy like doesn't talk to his family like right. he's fine he's yep. he's gonna Pat. be fine and he so he needs the to checks like, he's good yeah it's Pat. like if he's that if he's that stubborn mm-hmm. and his ego is that big that like he doesn't talk to his family for whatever reason like yeah like maybe that's like telling about how he feels like he just felt disrespected and there's no getting over it Kristen, which is like Kristen. This eventually is this Rogers. day was gonna come kirk eventually this day was gonna come this is aaron Rodgers we're talking about here like let the guy have a little bit of leeway to, to, to talk a little bit to, he doesn't like the management. Yeah. Get rid of the management. Like the dude has helped the Packers and helped Wisconsin out for 16, 16 seasons. I mean, like he deserves the right to throw his weight around a little bit when it comes has to, it been to 16 to, seasons. Yeah. yeah. 16 seasons, 16 seasons, same, like as, Wisconsin. And same as Bart Starr, coincidentally. So look, to wrap this up, we love our Packer quarterbacks, but let's be real. We don't always love our Packer quarterbacks. Brett Favre went from a hero to diva to the Vikings to whatever reality he's operating these days. Bart Starr, legendary QB, not exactly a legendary head coach. 
Don Mikowski. Come on, Kirk. You remember the magic man. <laughs> magic man. We loved you in 89. Uh, by 91, <laughs> it was over. So, you know, why wouldn't we have drama again? It's the way of our people. So look, whatever happens, both sides in this fight will still have a lot of money and we will still have our football on Sundays at your favorite watering hole, uh, win or lose. So that's a wrap for the show. The address is info at upnorthpodcast.com for Kristen Bry and Kirk Bankstead. I'm Pat Kreitlow. See you next time up north. Washington.